Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. I'm Grace Bonney of After the Jump, and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Good evening and welcome to Fun Man About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm Mary Izette. And I'm Chris Kuzmi. And we're your co-host <laughs> on this weekly journey of all things fermented. <laughs> Archived here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org as well as Stitcher and iTunes. Uh, today in the world, there are some things coming up that we keep talking about, but it's because we're excited. Uh, Beer for Beasts is coming up. That is uh, between Six Point and uh, our friends uh, Beer Advocate. It is a benefit uh, for the Humane Society of New York, Animal Humane Society of New York City. And uh, I have a beer in the running. There are still tickets available. Go to beeradvocate.com forward slash B, the number four B forward slash for more info and tickets. Hope to see you there. I'll be there in the second, second session. What else is going on? I think that's all I have. Is that all you have? Yep. Okay. What, what's going on in your life? You got granted <laughs> that something going on. Oh, I do have an announcement. <laughs> you just said you were going <laughs> to. <laughs> no, I'm obviously not a little spaced out right now. Sorry. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so Foment About It is going to GABF this year. I'm really excited. Um, I was granted press passes, and we booked our hotel and our plane tickets, and we are getting set to go. So we will have a GABF preview the last Monday, our last Monday show in September. GABF this year is the first weekend in October. Is that an acronym? Great America Beer Festival in Denver, Colorado. Unfortunately, tickets are sold out. It's sold out really fast 32 this year. minutes. It's kind of nuts. But uh, put it on your calendar for next year whenever those <laughs> tickets come out. Or we'll be hanging out a lot around Denver, drinking a lot of beer. I mean, I mean, doing a lot of research and development. And interviewing. And interviewing. And so we'll have a lot of great stuff coming back from that, from inspiring people, inspiring brewers. Yeah. I'm really excited. I think it'll give us a good idea of what's going on in the world of American craft beer. And it will be very inspiring for me as a brewer and a drinker. And I'm psyched. I've never been before. So uh, I'm really excited. I'm excited for you, man. <laughs> excited for you. <laughs> uh, you know what else is inspiring? Brooklyn Brewery. <laughs> Dang it. Uh, so this is a kind of a twofer. We had Drew Bombard last week uh, from the lab uh, talking to us about yeast. He's the first microbiologist. Uh, and this week... Um, we have our friend Tom Price. How you doing, Tom? Uh, doing pretty well. So you work in the lab, but are also the brewer. Or you—you you, you said you kind of can give yourself titles of any title over there, and it's and it's cool by Brooklyn. A yeah, man so, of many titles. <laughs> well, so I, I've been at, the, at uh, the brewery for about five and a half years now, and and uh, back when I started, it was there were only five or six of us uh, on the actual production staff. Now they're now they're twenty something. So back in the day, I used to just sort of say like. 
I would like my title to be this. And if it wasn't too ridiculous, then I got slapped on a, uh, on a business card. So uh, my business card says brewer slash lab manager. Uh, but these days I spend almost all my time in the lab. So. In the lab. Yeah. Right on. And today's topic, we're going to talk about sugar. Brooklyn has a club called the Legion of Osiris uh, that, that meets every once in a while. It was at every least month. once a month. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you gave a presentation on sugar and brewing with sugar. Yeah. But what brought, let's go back a little bit. What brought you to Brooklyn Brewery? That actually wasn't part of Legion of Osiris. That was actually part of Eric Steen's brew pub oh. at the White Hotel. Yeah, yeah. See, I couldn't Aha, make it. So we I were just talking anyway. about the, Eric Steen. Food book fair. Yeah, exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. And why are we just talking about Eric Steen? Because um, we were talking about other events that go on during the Great American Beer Festival outside of the actual convention center festival. And um, there is a Beers for Walking Festival. I believe it's on Friday. I don't think the tickets have gone on sale. I I haven't checked for a couple of days. But we actually spoke about that program. So it's where um, the brewers go out on a hike or some kind of, you know, trip and either forage or are inspired by what they see and, and experience and then make a beer and, you know, inspired by this whole journey. Um, so they're going to have a festival with breweries that have participated in this project. And I believe serving some of the beers, I don't, I haven't seen that much information, but I'm definitely going to get a ticket to check when out. they go on sale. <laughs> but more about you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> they're really important. <laughs> Enough about me. What do you think about me? <laughs> No, but uh, yeah, what, what was your history before Brooklyn? How long have you been with Brooklyn, and, and what, uh, what's your life of brewing? Well, so uh, I started uh, brewing as a home brewer, like a lot of, uh, a lot of people. Um, and that was, uh, wow, how long ago was that? It was a while ago, maybe 2000 and... <laughs> Careful. 2004 or something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, was working in New York City as, uh, in marketing, actually, for a, for a small university press. And homebrewing uh, on the side. And then uh, when my, my now wife and I uh, moved to California for a couple of years, she was going to school. Uh, and I figured, uh, you know, if she got to do something interesting and fun, like, like you know, a little bit of grad school, I should get to do something interesting and fun. So instead of looking for another job uh, in, in publishing, uh, which I'm sure is fun for some people, uh, but I wasn't that good at it, uh, <laughs> I decided that uh, I wanted to make something. So I had a, a couple of ideas. I was like, oh, maybe I'll... Maybe cheese or furniture and or you know or, or beer you know and uh, beer was the beer was the one that stuck beer was the <laughs> one that uh, that turns out I really enjoyed doing so uh, yeah got a got an internship at a at a brew pub in San Francisco and then uh, got an assistant job at uh, a different brew pub in San Francisco and then I uh, was a shift brewer uh, at a uh, production brewery for uh, Gordon Beerish down in San Jose okay. uh, California working the 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. shift. Ooh. Uh, which was kind of brutal. But, um, <laughs> yeah, we were out there for a couple of years, and then uh, when we moved back to New York, um, actually, uh, while I was looking for a job, I actually did make cheese for, for about six months. Oh, yeah? Very cool. Yeah, in uh, Bedford Hills, New York, at uh, Rainbow Ridge, uh, making goat cheese. And then, uh, you know, got introduced to some folks at uh, Brooklyn Brewery, and, and the rest is, is history, as they say. I've been, uh, been at the brewery for about uh, five and a half years. That's cool. awesome. Yeah. And what did you do? So when you first joined at mm-hmm. the Brooklyn Brewery, you were doing brewing and lab managing, kind of the whole thing. Because I know when there weren't very many of you, you did. Everyone did a yeah, lot of so, stuff. <laughs> yeah. We, we've had a, a big expansion in the yeah. last few years. Uh, and uh, when I got there, we were doing uh, ten to 14,000 barrels a year out of uh, the, the Brooklyn facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was basically uh, everybody was in one room. All the, the fermenters were in one room, as was the... Uh, the brew house itself it was a, a 25 barrel uh, 
Newland system, uh, which is still there. Actually, we use it for for pilot things now. But uh, and so a little bit of everything. A lot of a lot of cleaning. Uh, the life <laughs> of a life of a brewer. A lot of uh, hauling hoses. Uh, and so mostly cellar work at the beginning, and then uh, moved into doing uh, sort of second shift brewing. Uh, and then uh, our current lab guide, lab was, was sort of a part-time thing for one guy at the time. Uh, so he uh, moved out west, and so I, I took, over the, took over the lab. And uh, then after this uh, big expansion happened, uh, the lab also grew. Um, so since then, since the, the expansion, I've been more or less full-time in the lab with a couple of a uh, couple of hangover hangover duties. Uh, like I, I did the labeling for for a while as <laughs> well as the duties. lab. I like that term. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, just for clarification, what happens in the lab? Uh, so there are sort of two two halves to the lab. There's the uh, the microbiological side and then the chemistry side. So uh, Drew, who was your guest last week, yep. mm-hmm. uh, these days largely does the. Uh, the microbiological side, which is checking for spoilage organisms, um, you know, we look at yeast health and pitching rates and and that sort of thing. Um, and then the other the other half of that is is uh, the chemistry side of things. So looking at uh, gravities and uh, ABV, uh, we have a couple of fun toys uh, that that do that. Uh, we check you know check for bitterness. Uh, we can check color and uh, turbidity. Um, so that is mostly uh, my bailiwick as well as. Uh, the fun managing stuff, which is mostly ordering supplies, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and that's kind of where the the uh, you know sugar, yeah, sugar comes in. There's a lot of sugar. It's very applicable when it comes yeah. to ABVs. And well, so part <laughs> part of what we do uh, in in the lab is actually uh, manage the refermentation, the bottle refermentation. Right. So um, we have a whole series of uh, big bottle beers, uh, 750 mil beers uh they they look like they're in champagne bottles but as as garrett uh, our brewmaster likes to remind everybody champagne is actually in beer bottles <laughs> <laughs> so uh we have our our 750 mil uh beer bottles and those are 100 percent bottle refermented so they you know they go into the bottle flat uh we in the lab measure out a specific amount of yeast and and sugar to you know make the right kind of uh uh carbonation that we want um so that's that's a lot of uh that's a lot of the sugar, but then also uh, from my my past as uh, you know, actually making the beer at, at Brooklyn, um, a lot of our Belgian style beers use uh, use sugar, which is pretty pretty traditional for for Belgian uh, right. beers. Right. You said there's a saying out there about uh, fulfillment. What? What's yeah. So the the <laughs> the Belgian brewers talk a lot about digestibility. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and what they really mean is that. You should be able to drink a lot of it without feeling too full. So, uh, yeah, you, uh, adding adding sugar, particularly you know, sort of simpler sugars, uh, you know, dextrose um, and and the like, uh, thins out the body a little bit because those ferment 100. percent So instead of leaving some of the longer chain sugars like you get from from malt uh, that the yeast can't digest, the the uh, yeast will go all the way through uh, those simple sugars. So. They'll boost the alcohol a little bit, um, you know, help help with the balance, uh, whatever you're trying to do, but they won't add a lot of uh, mouthfeel and, and heaviness to the to the right. beer. What beers do you use sugar in? Uh, well, let's or, see. For an example, we'll get to a couple of them, but sure, yeah. sure. Um, uh, well, local one, uh, local two. Those are the the first two Belgian beers that we, uh, uh, or the big first two big bottle beers, anyway. Uh, that we and did. those are available exclusively in, in corked and caged 750s. Yes, that's right. Those are only available as those in those those big beer bottles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, those big beer bottles. That's right. Beer bottles. Almost said almost said the c word. Uh, <laughs> champagne. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, 
Yeah, we also uh, we we add sugar to uh, uh, sriracha ace, which is a saison we do, like a, a pretty hoppy uh, saison, um, which helps. You know, it's about seven and a half percent. Local one, local two are both about nine percent. So they have the potential to get to get pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we add a little bit of sugar. Um, yeah, to a lot of the Brewmasters Reserve, which are the sort of uh, four times a year rotating ta- draft only uh, beers that we do. So, and I think that's something interesting. Like, if for those of you who who don't brew out there or haven't brewed very much with sugars or brewed big beers, I think when you think of like a nine percent Russian Imperial Stout mm-hmm. versus a nine percent Belgian Double or yeah. you know Belgian Triple, think of those in your mouth, and that exemplifies why. You use sugar in Belgian beers. Yeah, I mean, very different mouthfeel, same alcohol. I mean, obviously, there's there's other differences too. I know that Russian Imperial Stouts can use sugar as well, but sure. I think that's kind of a general. Yeah. Thrust. So so yeah, that's that's one big reason is is the mouthfeel and, mm-hmm. and the body. The other reason is is flavor. I mean, mm-hmm. to local two, uh, the sugar we actually so local one we add uh, just some dextrose monohydrate uh, and then also some uh, demerara sugar. Um, and the Demerara adds uh, adds some flavor as well as you know a little bit of alcohol and, mm-hmm. and that lighter body we've been talking about. In local two, uh, we don't add either of those. We actually add uh, New York State honey from uh, Tremblay Apiaries or Upstate, uh, which adds a really nice sort of floral thing. Um, and then we add uh, some uh, Belgian candy syrup, which is a, a very dark, um, very. Uh, a lot of a lot of sort of rich, uh, fruity, uh, not quite molassesy, but but a lot of flavor in those. Um, so local two is is actually a Belgian double style, and it's almost exclusively uh, Pilsner malt. Uh, we use, add a little bit of uh, chocolate malt, but m- the vast majority of the color actually comes from this uh, really dark sugar. It's crazy. It's a really rich had. brown. For if you have, I mean, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a nice, it's a nice beer. It's great food. It's a great, great pairing beer. beer. I, have, I haven't had mm-hmm. much paired with that beer that has not worked. I mean, it works with almost everything because the yeah. light body, uh, you know, really cuts through and and, mm-hmm. and pairs with the lighter things. Whereas the the richness and the, and the it, I guess the sweet of the of the sugar and mm-hmm. that little bit of chocolate like really stand up to to more robust flavors. Yeah, and you actually get a little bit of uh, sort of caramelly flavors from from that Belgian candy syrup, which pair really nicely with sort of uh, Maillard right. kind of, uh, you know, browning. So it goes, goes really well. We, uh, we do uh, beer dinners at uh, Brooklyn Kitchen uh, for distributors and uh, clients, you know, and, and Garrett and, and myself and uh, another brewer or two will cook for around 30, 30 people. And so we'll do five courses and each will be paired with a, uh, paired with a different beer. And the local two, we actually pair with a, uh, a fettuccine, uh, like a, a carbonara, Mm-hmm. Uh, which is like the pancetta, like just goes perfectly with the uh, with the. That sounds sort of, delicious. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's pretty so good. let's go back and talk a little bit about um, the, the types of sugar that you mentioned sure. before. So you talked about dextrose, and mm-hmm. that's typically just corn sugar, correct? Yeah, corn or beet sugar. So it's mm-hmm. a very simple sugar, mm-hmm. so it's easy for the yeast to right um, to yeah, ferment, and, and, and it doesn't add very much flavor. Right, not not very much at all. It's pretty uh, clean. Yeah, it's I think they call it uh, left hand glucose basically. So it's it's the same. Same molecule as glucose, but just turned the other way. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so it ferments out completely. It sort of leaves nothing behind. And it's what we typically prime mm-hmm. beers with. Right. Yeah, yeah. As a homebrew. Yeah, right. as a homebrew. And then Demerara sugar is basically, a, it's a less refined sugar cane. Right. So it's uh, sort of a light uh, blonde color. Mm-hmm. And it has um, a teeny bit of molasses left, so it'll mm-hmm. give a little bit of flavor. And, right. Or it can give a little bit of aroma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I actually, uh, 
like making simple syrup out of it for for cocktails because uh, it adds just a little extra something. It's got a little more body than than just plain white sugar and a mm-hmm. little more a uh, little more something going on. And on that note, we're going to take a back break, and we'll be right back with more brewing sugar talk. <laughs> Forget about it. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Did you know that pollinators are needed for more than two-thirds of the world's crop species? Most of these pollinators are bees. However, North America's bee population has been steadily declining since the 1990s. Whether you live in the country or the city, you can show your commitment by hosting a hive in your backyard or even on a rooftop. The beekeeping movement is growing, so you're sure to find swarms of folks who can help you find your way. Learn more about the ways you can help be the solution at WholeFoodsMarket.com slash share the buzz. Welcome back to Foment About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. It is Monday, August 18th, and we're smiling in the studio at Roberta's in Bushwick with Tom Price from the Brooklyn Brewery. How's it going? <laughs> Fantastic. Welcome back. Where'd you go? Where have you been the last minute? So we're talking about <laughs> brewing sugars, sugars to use in brewing. And we were just talking about a couple of different kinds of sugars, and we were talking about when when do you add that? You were talking about the local one mm-hmm. and the local two, uh, with the different sugars that you use for it. Mm-hmm. When do you when when is a good time to add sugars, and why would you add them at different times? Yeah, if, so so it you know for the very simple sugars that don't add a lot of flavor, it actually make doesn't make that much difference when you add. I mean, obviously, you don't want them to sit sink to the bottom and scorch so you want to you want to bring it bring it up to temperature because uh, they will you know cool things down a little bit um but it's you know you can it's it's personal preference but we tend to add them uh a little bit towards towards the end particularly more flavorful things like honey's got a bunch of great aromatics right and if you boil them and boil them and boil them then they go away or or change um so it's nice to to add them a little bit towards the end um maybe last 10 minutes of the boil something like that um and we were mentioning a little bit during the break about uh, about how much you can add. You can actually add a surprising amount of uh, amount of sugar to a beer without it <laughs> negatively affecting anything. I mean, twenty percent of total fermentables is uh, completely within the within the realm of reasonable, yeah. uh, and you can push it past then if you if you want to. A lot of home brewers are scared on on the forums that that too much sugar will start to give a, a beer kind of like a cidery type mm-hmm. flavor or characteristic. Yeah, I've I've heard that. I mean, um but it doesn't I haven't experienced that as a as a problem. Um I mean, you know, we've we've done some uh some really interesting beers. I mean, we did a, a Brewmaster's Reserve that was, you know, something I think 40% of the fermentals were, were honey uh kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, that was your the Braggit, right? Uh that's yeah, the uh, Buzz the Bomb. Yeah, that's bomb right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um and didn't have any problems. I mean, I I've, I've heard that sucrose uh can can give a little bit of that cidery flavor. I don't know if it's something about the fructose, but um, yeah, I mean, you can you can push it a little bit and yeah. and still be okay. I'd say especially more so because I've been playing with a lot of sugar based 
fermented alcoholic mm-hmm. beverages and also playing with some uh, some malt sugar mm-hmm. beverages. Um, and I think the less refined sugars, like mm-hmm. you were talking about like Demerara yeah. and Jaggery and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you can yeah, free our, to play with. Honey, again, you know. Yeah. Yeah, our uh, our friends in uh, in Sweden, we the the brewery is, has opened a, a another brewery in uh, Stockholm, uh, New Carnegie, uh, which is a great little a great little space. I was there in February to help them uh, open up, and uh, one of the uh, actually the lab manager over there uh, smuggled back from her her trips to uh, the Southeast Asia um, some uh, some palm sugar, sort of. They look like half cannonballs almost, uh, and are hard as rocks. <laughs> uh, but they made uh, they made a beer uh, using a lot of this uh, palm palm sugar, yeah. uh, which I haven't gotten to taste, but I'm I'm very excited to. Um, yeah, I know you guys you guys are showing me some uh, yeah. some we some palm candy. Got some palm candy. Yeah. Well, we stopped <laughs> by. We visited the Landmine Museum, which was actually very interesting and. Totally depressing, but something you must do mm-hmm. if you are in the Well, area. and also they're very inspirational. They have yeah. an orphanage and a school there, and mm-hmm. they're doing a lot of good throughout the world. Um, they also have a, a team that's affiliated but separate that goes around removing landmines. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was very educational and, and inspiring as well as sad. They did have a gift shop that benefited the museum and the orphanage. But anyway, On after the way that, there, right back <laughs> we're all sad and silent in this van. <laughs> and our guide says, oh, we should, we'll pull off to the side of the road and um, and visit these, these families that make palm sugar. Mm-hmm. So that's where, yeah, so we brought some palm sugar back as well. And then that's where we tasted that crazy palm, fermented palm sap beverage that we, I think we've talked about that on the show before. Mm-hmm. Yep, briefly. But that palm sugar is delicious, fresh too. Yeah, yeah. yeah I did uh, just a just a trial to see how fermentable it it was, and it made this. So it was it was just palm sugar, and then mm-hmm. a little bit of like champagne yeast, you know, like a pretty clean yeast, and had this really fascinating. It tasted like uh, like kettle corn almost, sort of like right. uh, yeah, like caramelly and a little bit buttery, which is not always what you want in beer, but uh, in this case was was pretty nice. I totally agree mm-hmm. with that. With um, what about panella? What's Panella like? Uh, it's it's rock hard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's a pretty flavorful uh, sort of un- less refined uh, sugar. Um, that's all, yeah. yeah, that's actually one of my favorite. I've been playing a lot with Panella, mm-hmm. both in beers and these that. other beverages. And it's also <laughs> called Pilonchio. Yeah. You can get it like I get it in the um, the uh, Latin American Mexican aisle at our local grocery store. It's actually very inexpensive. Yeah, and, and, and fairly easy to find. I mean, it's with yeah. the Goya stuff. And yeah, exactly. The one, the one by my yeah. house, yeah. And it is rock hard. So for, I don't know why I was, I, I mean, I've been making a lot of beverage. I mean, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm, I'm finishing a book. Um, and so I've been make, using Panela in a lot of recipes and playing around with it. And for some reason, I was chopping it with, you know, a, a regular <laughs> chef's knife. And then suddenly I woke up and realized I could grate it, yeah. and that's much easier. Yeah. So if you're going to use any of these sugars that turn hard, even some of the other sugars can, like jaggery was another sugar mm-hmm. that I've used in a lot of Belgian beers. Again, a less refined sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to use any of these sugars that do become hard, I, I would suggest getting out your grater because yeah. you will kill yourself. And the other thing is I tried to, um, with the panella, I tried to put it through a food processor, mm-hmm. and it just like me- got all melty and Ooh gummed up together in this Can't big get it ball out of the disaster food again. Yeah, yeah disaster yeah i mean that's I, we actually <laughs> i mean that reminds me of of the you know i mentioned the belgian candy uh syrup that we use i mean you can buy that in in the rock candy oh, yeah. form um and that's fine but the the syrups are so much easier to work with yeah. easier to measure i mean they they tell you 
you know how uh, what the percent of sugar is you know so you can do your calculations for the yeah. gravity you want and, and yeah you i'm sure the syrups are more accurate like more accurate probably I mean, and they're and they don't scorch which yeah is nice. especially if you make it yourself which you can do you can. I've heard. I, I've never done it, but uh, they're they're what they're caramelized invert sugar. I think. So yes. You can uh, yeah. Just add a little lemon juice to uh, or acid to, to cream invert. tartar. Yeah. Any yeah. any of that. It's really easy to do. And then then you're measuring your sugar, which is gonna be the same amount of sugar at the end. If a recipe calls for X, then then you can do that. So mm-hmm. what is invert sugar? What's happening with invert? What sugar? is invert? Yeah. I can't tell you that oh, exactly. I, know, I want I, you to tell us. You're the scientist in the room. We're going with you. And I, I did review. I did not remember this. But I, I'm, it's, it's cool, though. and glucose together turns into both of those. Yeah. yeah. So sugar is, is, a, is a disaccharide. Right. And basically, when you invert it, um, you're, you know, you're turning it into um, sucrose, into glucose and fructose, which are mm-hmm. simpler sugars. Mm-hmm. And these store longer as well as being more accessible to the yeast. But where does the invert come from? Um, I had forgotten this completely. So basically what they're talking about, actually, when they talk about invert, is that um, it's how the way it bends polarized light. So if you pass a beam of polarized light through a solution of regular table sugar, the light will rotate or bend to the left. But the mixture of glucose and fructose inverts the rotation and bends the beam to the right. I had no idea. Yes, super geeky. Can we make kaleidoscopes uh, out of our invert sugar, like a combination of invert sugar and regular sugar, and get a kaleidoscope of yeah. light going to the right and left? Fun, fun with science. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Actually, um, Harold McGee has a really interesting article on, on uh, thecuriouscook.com. Uh, it's just an article if you don't want to read the novel. Uh, well, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, about about uh, sucrose breakdown actually, and. Um, about how when you when you read the books and you look for the melting temperature of sugar of sucrose, uh, there's not a lot of agreement about it. And I mean, some places say it melts at X temperature, and some place you know at at X plus Y temperature. Um, and so he thought that was strange, and so did some did some experimenting, and it turns out that uh, it degrades at room temperature, uh, oh. just slow, just very slowly. So. He actually did some cool. He got these uh, large crystals of sugar, sort of as big as the last knuckle of your thumb or something, and uh, put them in, in a very low oven. And they actually, his theory was maybe because there were more impurities in, in the middle, sort of like an ice cube, uh, that they actually sort of caramelized from the inside out. So what he was left with were these uh, sort of uh, I don't know little 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 boxes. Sugar boxes with like caramel on the oh, inside. Oh, that's it. fascinating. Yeah, it's it's a pretty cool right, uh, article. You got to look that one up. Um, yeah. I'm not sure how useful that is for brewing, but uh, yeah, but you know, but pretty you, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, how do you invert sugar? Well, you take a bunch of sugar, you put it in a pot, you get it wet <laughs> just enough to you, the the water is actually going to evaporate out. Um, so it doesn't really matter how much or the, what the ratio is. Um, but generally like two pounds and one cup of water will do you fine. You just want to wet the sugar just enough and you heat it until it gets to, uh, what is it? 260 degrees. Yeah. 260 degrees. You want to keep it between, uh, 260 degrees and 275 degrees. And this will be your kind of ball point, uh, or hard ball area. And you want to keep it there for 20 minutes, but right, right before it gets to boiling, you want to add that little bit of acid mm-hmm. in order to start the inversion and then you keep it there at 260 to 275 degrees for x amount of time well 20 minutes is, is good mm-hmm. to fully fully invert and then if you keep it there longer that's when you're going to start getting different 
different colors and, and darker and more caramelization going on if you want want that dark special B yeah. versus versus just that straight up uh, you know syrup. So it's completely doable to make your own inverse sugar, invert sugar at home if you're a home brewer or if a smaller brewery. I'm sure that you guys use a ton of invert sugar, so we, yeah, it would be we, more uh, of a challenge for a large brewery. Yeah, these these days we we buy the uh, buy by the tote. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's much cheaper, uh, yeah, but a lot more hassle to make them. It's true. Yeah. I think I think it's a metric ton of uh, in this tote or something wow. like that. Yeah. It's it's a, a fair amount. Yeah. I will say that one warning is that sugar is a little bit weird. Um, so you don't want to stir this at all. Right. You don't want it creeping up the sides. It'll crystallize on the sides. Yeah. And in fact, before it reaches, you want to wash. If you, there's any crystals remaining on the sides, you want to wash that down with boiling water. Because what happens is, and I don't know the exact reaction behind this, but basically if this mixture hits one of these sugar crystals, the, the crystallization, it can cause crystallization mm-hmm. of the entire mixture. Oh. So you want to be careful yeah, about the, that as well. She was not I have had, I've, I used to, at one time I made a lot of candy and, and that was always an issue. So, so if you make, want to make candy, you go higher, you get above, so you let it get above 275 and then that becomes a soft crack and then there are various temperatures above mm. that with which, and this is, we're talking about the level with which it would harden if you put it into something, right? Candy yeah. lady. Well, ultimately... Yeah. Once, yeah. Once if you it allow cools. it to cool, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, when I or on a, with, on a or on a saucer, you keep in the freezer, which is the, the yeah. quick way to test. Or in right? a bo- or my grandma always did it in a little glass of water. Oh yeah, yeah. So you could see like softball, hardball. I like that. So let's talk about where to get sugars. Um, interesting sugars to brew with. So if you're a home brewer or a smaller brewery, um, I think international aisles of grocery stores or mm-hmm. international stores. If you're here in New York City and have never been to Kalushian's, you are missing yeah. out. So they have everything from palm sugar to a ton of honeys to, well, every kind of jaggery, mm-hmm. demerara, every kind of sugar you can imagine. Um, and more, I think more and more, you know, of these sugars are becoming accessible no matter where you are in the country. Yeah. Um, but I, w- I would say those are my favorite places to go sugar hunting yeah. as a brewer. Yeah, absolutely. If you, if you can't make the flight to Southeast Asia. Yeah. For, <laughs> to go smuggle yeah, let, your own palm sugar. Let blue steams do, do, the, do the walking. Yeah, ex- absolutely. And there are other reasons. I mean, all, there are tons of reasons to try and play with sugar. And among them, you know, I hate to, to add to the IPA, you know, craze. But, uh, you know, <laughs> our hero, Vinny Salerzo with the, you know, uh, Pliny the Elder, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he uses about 5% sugar in his IPA recipes to thin out the body, keep mm-hmm. the alcohol, and, and let the hops showcase. So if you're trying to showcase or express some flavors that... Um, that aren't necessarily the sugar. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a good way to do that by using uh, simple and yeah. less caramel. And then you also made a flavored sugar that you brewed with, didn't you? Oh yeah. <laughs> I did, so I made so I made a, a rose hip uh, syrup or rose hip oh, uh, Belgian good. candy sugar. So when it got to, I basically made a candy sort of thing. When we got to that 260 degrees, uh, I threw some rose hips in there and basically made soft crack with it. I let it, I let it sit overnight um, uh, with the rose hip, and it was delicious. Yeah, that was really nice. That worked. That was a great way to express the rose hip. I thought, and, and mm-hmm. it made made it. Rose hips tend to be very earthy and and kind of kind of an herbal thing. This made it a sweet, sweet candy rose hip candy. Yeah, and and it that came out and was expressed in the beer that way. Yeah, it's great for something like that, like rose hips that you 
sort of have to cook to really get the flavor yeah. out of there. Like that's yeah, yeah. a nice way to do it without over like getting the pectin necessarily in the beer and right. clouding it up. Yeah. yeah the other thing nice that idea. I've been playing with is actually macerating with sugar. Mm-hmm. So if you have something fibrous like rhubarb or even softer fruits or mm-hmm. vegetables that you want to add to your beer, like if you're making a, a Belgian with, say, rhubarb, mm-hmm. um, you could go ahead and add the rhubarb to a bag or a, some kind of container of sugar and allow it to sit overnight. And that mm-hmm. will bring out the juices, macerate or soften the fruit, and you know then you could add those all at the same time towards yeah. the end of your brew, too. Yeah. So lots of possibilities with brewing sugars. Sugar. Use it. That's all you need. <laughs> um, before we get out of here, because our time is about up, uh, I forgot to make one more announcement. Here in New York City, we are having the New York City Blocktoberfest on September 20th. Um, we're going to be outside Kelso uh, Brewing Company on Waverly, and uh, tickets are $10, but uh, beer is a la carte. We're having a kind of a just a Blocktoberfest kind of thing, late October, of all the New York City Brewers Guild uh, members, including Brooklyn. Uh, and I have a band, my my my... I'm doing the entertainment. I'm trying to entertain it, and I'm trying to get a band of brewers or brewery-related people together. So from all the different breweries, and uh, I need more people right now. <laughs> I know they're there. There's so many people that fell down the rabbit hole or in brewing that are musicians. We've got we've got a number of banjo players at the Brooklyn Brewery. Oh yeah, I don't know yeah. how well we play with others. Our, Alice, <laughs> he's not available that week. I've already checked him out. Uh, Gabe also yeah, plays. Gabe no, plays oh, yeah, Gabe plays banjo. All right, she's she's on. Yeah. She's I'm signing her up. Yeah. Anyway, thank you, thank you, Tom. Yeah. Thank was, you so was, much for joining us. It was my pleasure. Any final words? Uh, sugar's great. <laughs> sugar's great. <laughs> sugar's great. Fumet about it. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>